Okay, welcome to Securities Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 42 for Sunday, June 19th, Father's Day. Yes, happy Father's Day, fathers. Indeed, and uh, today we have a guest. We have uh, Chelsea Sexton, who is an uh, electric car genius. <laughs> is that what your business card says? It really should. Something like that, yeah. Wait, what, is, what does Zuckerberg's card say? I'm CEO, bitch. Something like that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I heard that that's an actual thing. Chelsea, what does your card say? Do you have a card? I, do, I have a card, and it does say founder of the Lightning Rod Foundation. Um, but I have been informed recently it should just say chief conspirator and be done with it. Well, that's oh, a good one, actually. Yeah, conspirator is mm-hmm. good. I, you know, the, I, the whole formal business card thing, I think, is going the way of the dodo. Uh, I would agree. Uh, and I think people want a little sass in life, as it were. Um, so... Some of you out there may actually have seen Chelsea before uh, because Chelsea plays a big part in Who Killed the Electric Car, which is a documentary that came out. What year was that? 2006. That was really 2006? I know. I can't believe it. It's been that long. Oh, wow. Uh, Mm. Now, originally, they came in to interview you because you worked for GM and you did all this stuff with the EV1, but you didn't think that they would use that much of the material, correct? No, in fact, I had an agreement with the producers of, you know, I don't want to be in your movie. And the director went, great, I don't want to be in your movie. And, I mean, I don't want you in my movie. And then at the very end, we did a quick little interview and they went, okay, we'll use two seconds of this. And I went, okay, fine. My, my, I have few gullible moments, but this is totally one of them. Because when I went to Sundance and saw their version of two seconds, it was a little different than mine. Yeah, how many, wait, how much time are you in that movie? I, I don't know, but I would say probably too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. In some ways, they wrap the whole story around your story. A little bit, yes. I didn't know I had a story. They made a movie of my life. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, well, d- just to back up for a minute, you, you, you're into cars your whole life? No, actually, I wasn't at all. I, when I was 17, I had graduated, was going to college, and needed a way to pay for it. And bought my first car, and the, the guys at Saturn kind of said, do you want to come work here? And I thought, sure. You know, good money, lots of flexibility for a college kid, and went and did that. And then when the EV1 came out, I moved over to that program and just found my inner geek and fell in love with electric cars. And thought, oh, I can totally do this forever. <laughs> now, was, was the EV1 the first available, like generally available electric car in the U.S.? Of that generation, yes. EVs have been around for 100 years. Right, And they okay. seem more prominent than gas cars. But of that 90s generation, EV1 was the first and the most well-known. Okay. And, uh, and, and how many of them did they make? 1,137. <laughs> and how many, how many of them uh, still exist? Oh, maybe 50. Yeah. That's- huh. So, wait. So, I'm, I, I mean, I'm no stranger to the automotive industry, but I, I don't think I can put my finger on the ev1 now was that the car that had like that weird little plug-in paddle thing yes. yeah uh, I remember, we were the paddle car little teardrop shape little wheel skirts really aerodynamic yeah like it had like the citroen style covers yes. over the rear wheels okay i yeah. think i remember that I, th- I saw a red one at the auto show in chicago when i lived out there i'm but that sure. was like a long time ago well, yeah, I mean, the concept car was 1990, the car came out in 96, and it was pretty much dead by 02. Yeah, I want to say I saw it in maybe in 98 or 99 Yeah, uh, at the auto show. Uh, so, so you were working on the team that helped develop that? I actually worked on the marketing team. Okay. 
which is fortunate because we marketed the car in California and Arizona, and I meant I never had to move to Michigan. <laughs> and I'm all right with that. <laughs> nice. Now, the, 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 they didn't sell that car, right? They only leased it? Yeah, we only leased them. And it was in response to a law. So GM ironically created their own situation when they showed this electric concept car. And the state of California went, oh, my God, we've been searching for a solution to our air quality problems, our iron and smog. If you say you can do this, then all will be able to. And actually passed a law that said if you want to keep doing business in the state of California, you need to offer a certain number of non-polluting vehicles. And it only applied to the largest manufacturers. And as soon as someone passed a law saying you had to do them, <laughs> they decided they didn't want to do them. So hmm. they begrudgingly did exactly as many as they had to, but really kind of went out of their way not to make a business out of it. Right. And hmm. meanwhile, people absolutely loved them. And they got to the point of getting the automakers together, suing the state of California to get rid of this law, and reclaiming all these vehicles and crushing them. <laughs> Wow. They, and and if anyone who's seen uh, Who Killed the Electric Car, it follows this story. It follows them repossessing these cars, follows dri- them driving them to the crushing place, and follows Chelsea getting very upset about all of this stuff. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> so do, do you have one of these cars? I do not. No, I never, I was one of the mystical people on the waiting list. I never got to lease one of my own, but I did have a whole bunch of them when I worked for GM. Ah. And, we, you know, it, there came a point when we started actually protesting, trying to save different electric cars and things. And, and in some cases, just trying to raise awareness and not let the moment go by unnoticed. And along the way, one of the EV1 drivers had his little handy cam out there. And we mm. all kind of thought, yeah, this will, <laughs> who knows if it'll ever something will burn copies for our parents and bump their lives. And it became who killed the electric car. And Sony bought it and it got into Sundance and had this little theatrical run directly under the shadow of Inconvenient Truth, hmm. but has since become a little uh, cult classic on YouTube and Pirate Bay and wherever else. Yeah, well, that's, hmm. the, that, that's a good question to stop here. I mean, I know you can, you can get the DVD from Netflix, but are there places mm-hmm. to watch it online or, or can you- Yeah, there are tons. It's, it's in a whole bunch of chunks on YouTube because they have a 10 minute limit or something oh, and right. it's on a bunch of other streaming sites and whatnot. I've heard you cannot get it on iTunes, but that's a Sony issue. That's see, mm. <laughs> and I think I read in one of your posts that you guys wanted to basically get copies sent to schools and that kind of stuff, and Sony's against that. Right. Well, that was the, that was the original uh, premise for for my little foundation. I was we were really surprised at the the high school reception. They thought this is a wonky film about this goofy California law. It's kind of going to go over the heads of anybody you know younger than college, and it didn't. And I started getting all these emails from teachers and folks saying I showed this movie to my class. It got them all riled up. And this one class in Virginia said, you know, I, I, my kids got all riled up, and I gave them an assignment how they changed the world in twenty one days. And they all instantly deflated. Hmm. And I thought, you know, and they had that whole sort of, I'm just one person thing. She goes, you were their age when you started working for GM. If you can write me an email, I'll read it to my class. And I thought, I have to be in Washington, D.C. next week anyway. I'll show up. So, so my colleague and I did. We brought a, a four EV down there. We let them drive it around. And hmm. this one kid pulled us aside afterwards. And he said, you know, I have been pissed off and frustrated my entire life. My country's corrupt. My government's corrupt. My, this is under the last administration. Yeah. <laughs> and I would just sit at home and be angry my entire life. And then I saw that movie and I thought, if that little white girl can do it, <laughs> why, yes, I am. You know, because if she can do it, then I can do it. And I can vote. 
and I can get my friends to vote. And I can go, you know, right over to Capitol Hill. It's not that far from here. And I can testify and I'm going to take my country back. And we just sort of looked at each other and went, oh, God, who cares if this kid ever wants an electric car in his life? But if yeah. we could get one kid in every high school that passionate about any issue, whatever it is. Yeah. Where would we be as a country? So we kind of came home and we called Sony and we said, here's what we need. We need 12,000 copies of this movie. Hmm. And they went, great, here's how much they cost. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> and, yeah. And the team said, we'll give you copyright. You will let you make your own copies, just, you know, at cost. And Sony said, no, we'll be totally happy to sue you. We don't care if you're the girl from the movie. So we've been buying them box by box ever since. That's well, from yeah, What a pain in the neck. The music industry is like that, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know it's your song, but sorry. Yeah. Well, and I don't have copyright, but no, we thought, you know, it's been out on DVD for a while. The DVD market's kind of saturated. It's yeah. not like it was a new hot movie and yeah. we can just make a cheap deal and I'll move on. And they weren't so happy about it. So I just buy them from Amazon or wherever. And Yeah, at a certain point, though, a movie like that, it almost deserves to be public domain earlier than it should, if only f- to get it out there more. You right, know. and the goofy part was it, it was. It was instantly pirated and put on YouTube and stuff. Sure. And, you know, Sony had an issue with it and tried to control it at first, but people like me who have no financial interest in that movie were going, yeah, yeah, have at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, here, here's the torrent file. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, now, uh, just to quickly go in, you worked on a new movie, which just came out. Yes. Uh, which is called? It's called Revenge of the Electric Car. Ah. Bum, bum, because bum. once you make a murder mystery, you got to do a monster movie next. Yeah. It's just, it's I guess. In the I mean, laws. Feels like this might be like the Planet of the Apes. You're going to do Beneath the Electric Car next? <laughs> I hope not, because that be sounds cool. like it's running me over. Well, I was just yeah. I guess all right. How about how about uh, um, Beyond Beyond the Electric, the electric car. car? There, there you go. go. Um, yeah. Now uh, the a lot of things have changed in the electric car arena in the past five years, drastically. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that because gas prices went up? I think that's one factor. Okay. Uh, you know, just as the first movie, the whole point was this was a complicated story. Not one of those suspects could have gotten away with it alone. It's the same kind of thing. It takes a variety of, of issues and and um, things to bring it back. So gas prices going up certainly has helped raise awareness. But a lot of the auto industry imploding did quite a bit, too, now, were because there, it were there... really taught they can't make what they've been making and do well. Were, were were there any rules in the government takeover of the auto industry that pushed them to do this kind of stuff? Certainly there were agreements around, um, particularly GM and the Volt. Okay. And you, know, you guys will start building some different stuff if we're going to bail you out. You, we're not going to bail you out so you can go build more suburbans. Right. Uh, GM was already on the path of the Volt and... I think even without that intervention would have done it because they've become really aware that they weren't going to get away with killing another electric car. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's been that kind of confluence of public awareness of, of gas prices, but also energy security and climate change and all these things that no one knew about five years ago. Sure. As well as industry coming around and Obama being the first president we've ever had that's been wickedly supportive of this technology. Okay, well, here's Hmm. this is this begs the question. There, it seems for people who aren't into this stuff, there are a number of different kinds of these cars that you're talking about. A lot of people have the old-fashioned hybrid, like the old Priuses, which Mm -hmm. which are gas cars that have batteries that get charged by the gas engine. Correct. Correct, and, and you can and only put too. gas in them. Okay. 
And then the next iteration of that is a plug-in hybrid. Okay. We're going to do a plug-in Prius next year. The Chevy Volt is a version of a plug-in hybrid. And that is one that has a battery that you can plug in but also put gas in. So you drive some amount of electric miles, yeah. and then when those are exhausted, then the gas engine comes on. So if you're only driving 40 or 50 miles a day, you may never touch the gas. Correct. Okay. But if you wanted to drive further on Saturday, you could. So that, I mean, that in many ways seems like it's a good compromise. Yeah, it's a it's a best of both worlds kind of scenario for a lot of single car households or people that really just do a lot of driving and could not live with a pure electric car. Well, what, what kind of range are we talking on, on these plug-ins? And do, do, do the plug-in hybrids get less mileage on electric than an all-electric because they don't, they're using room for the engine instead of more room for batteries? Yeah, generally they, they have less range in part just because of space in the gas engine and, and gas tank. But really... If you're not driving that far, why carry around extra batteries? Okay, right, of and, course. And, and incur that extra cost. And so it's an effort to keep the cost down. The Of the plug-in hybrid category, the Chevy Volt is the most robust. Has 40 to 50 all-electric miles at any speed, 100 miles an hour. You'll, you'll get fewer than 40 in that scenario, but only after you, you exhaust those miles to the gas engine come on. Something like the plug-in Prius or the Ford products, there's some that are doing kind of a parallel approach, which is electric up to a certain speed, and then gas engine comes on at freeway speeds. Oh, okay. Mm. Is it- and the electric range on those varies mm, 10 to 30. Because when you're not accelerating, the gas engine is actually pretty efficient just to coast? Right. If you're at freeway speeds, that's when a gasoline engine is the most efficient. Okay. Right. Of course. Yeah. Now, I would like to point out that I may embarrass you here, but you don't drive an electric car. <laughs> I do not drive an electric car <laughs> on <not>? most days. <laughs> yeah, why is that? I am saving my pennies for an electric car. Okay, what what uh, are you going to buy? You know, I haven't decided yet. Ultimately, we have two cars in the house, and ultimately, we'd like one pure EV and one plug-in hybrid. I think on the plug-in hybrid, it'll probably be a Volt. Okay. I had one for months. I really liked it. I really like the all-electric at any speed, and only after that do you have gas. So I could use two or three gallons of gas in a month, and the rest of the time I'm pure EV. Right. So I, I like that better than getting on the freeway and knowing that no matter how much electric range I have left, my gas engine's still going to come on. Yeah, yeah, on the yeah. EV side, I'm undecided. Now, uh, yeah, uh, you drive uh, uh, an old Saturn, right? A nice, like, I do. It, it's, and you drive it well. She's a, Chelsea, I've driven with Chelsea. She's a serious driver. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, she, she's, 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 uh, she's hardcore. She's, you know, I, you might even be a gearhead. I, I am. I, well, I'm, I'm unusual in the EV world in that I have an unnatural appreciation for torque and horsepower. Okay, okay. Well, that, that <laughs> brings us to a thing. Now, a lot of people say... Oh yeah, that's great that you're getting the Chevy Volt or this Prius, and it's this little tiny engine, this little tiny thing, and that's great. But I want a car that goes fast. I want a car that accelerates. I want a car that's fun to drive. And a lot of people think that those electric cars are not. Right. But it's not true. It's not true in most cases, or at least it doesn't need to be true. Uh, most EVs that are full freeway speed kind of EVs use AC motors, which happen to have a lot of torque. So even in the EV1, and that's actually how I got spoiled on torque, I could take any car off the line and beat it. I mean, we'd even race Vipers and things, and they would beat <laughs> us to 60, but light to light around LA, I would smoke anything I came across. Right. And hmm. it was professional duty for me to do it, right. <laughs> at least in my own head. You were obligated. Yeah. You had I was to. obligated, because I yeah. pulled up next to it, and they'd say, oh, look at the little geeky-looking golf cart, and they'd look at the 20-year-old girl in it, and they'd go, oh, yeah, right. And it just uh-huh. had to be done. You know? <laughs> 
I feel that way on my bike. You know, I, like, I like beating taxis off the line sometimes. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's funny, but it's funny that uh, I was out in L.A. What was that a month or so ago? And uh, uh, Chelsea picked me up and we were driving around, and I said, you know, is there? A, do they change things in EVs? Because people are so used to gas cars that you know, do, do the and EVs if they're straight torque right off the line, do they change them? And she actually. You you actually said that they they change the curve a little bit because if people just hit the gas like they would on a gas car they just spin out half the time. Yeah, it depends on the car, but the, for the Chevy Volt they had to dumb it down to save tires, <laughs> uh, which that. makes sense because I've replaced tires on my V ones about every five thousand miles. Uh, yeah, somebody wow. like Tesla doesn't That's... dumb it down so much. Their whole point is performance EVs, and so they they embrace all the torque that they can generate. Uh, but so it depends a little bit on the goal of the car. But quite often, yeah, they have to actually tone them down. That's so excellent. Wow. That's crazy. I think I, I remember reading this was a really long time ago. I would say maybe ten years ago, some article in Wired magazine about this group of hot rodders who were building what, what seemed like. Um, electric dragsters. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Do you know anything about that? Like these guys, and they, they and the guy who's writing the article said, you know, he's he's actually, you know, he was a, I guess, someone who'd been to a number of drag races in the past, and he said the the biggest thing, the, the you know, the biggest difference wasn't wasn't the the speed or anything like that, but it was was the amazing lack of of noise and heat, because when you go to a, like a traditional, you know, you know, funny car style drag race. You, when these things fire up, I mean, you, you feel the heat from the crowd, you know, hundreds of feet away and, you know, and they're really, really loud. Mm-hmm. And he was saying with these electric cars, they're like virtually silent. You know, the only sound you hear is like the squeaking of the squealing of the tires and stuff like that. Well, yeah, it, absolutely. They, there's a whole National Electric Drag Racing Association. There's now similar entities for electric motorcycles. There's racing circuits that are getting started. Um, I just came back from Indy, Indianapolis Motor Speedway where we had all sorts of electric races. And so we have the true gearheads getting into this. And it is a very different experience. They're not silent. There's tire noise and there's a motor whine, especially in some of those performance-oriented vehicles. But it's such a different sound. Yeah. And it's a different type of visceral sensation to have that much torque and power and not have that noise. Yeah, that's got to be It's really weird. a little bit sort of disconcerting for some people, but others absolutely love it. It is. It's yeah. It's it's funny because you think back on just the people who had these crazy loud big motor whole thing, and now the big performance people say, "Wow, look how much better performance we can get out of this thing with electricity." Uh, it's yeah. It's just a whole other thing. Now you you were saying that the motors on these things spin at crazy speed, right? And then they're like kind of they're they're uh, geared down to the to the wheels. Oh yeah, I mean you know twelve thirteen thousand RPM is not uncommon. And they do some sort of either transmission or reduction gears to, to you know, convert that to <laughs> a normal amount of, of axle spin. Well, well why, why, why such high RPMs? Why is that? It's just that it's the nature of the electric motor and how it functions and, and the um, rotor and stator spinning around each other generate power. It's so cool. Uh-huh. I, I guess yeah, that makes sense. Now, uh, here I I asked you this question a couple of years ago, and and your answer was a good one. But I think a lot of people might say, okay, well, this is great. We have these electric cars. It's all electric. Half of America is driving electric cars. They're not using all this gas, but now they're using all this electricity. What's so much better about Con Ed than Exxon Mobil? You know, like you're, you're just <laughs> you're trading big oil for big electric. You know, right? 
so what's what's the answer to that? Well, there's a few answers. Depends on the concern. I hear the most often thing I hear is, "Oh, we're half coal. You're just trading oil for coal." Yeah. And you know, none of us are excited about coal on the grid. But the reality is that today is the worst case scenario because the grid will get cleaner over time as renewable portfolio standards and things are implemented. Even with half coal, electric cars are about twice as clean as gas cars, and that's the worst case. Yeah. So they'll get, they're the only kind of cars to get cleaner as you drive them because the grid gets cleaner. You can also generate electricity on your roof, solar panels. Yep. You can't generate gasoline on your roof. True. Uh, hmm. But from an, from an economic standpoint and sort of the big bad oil for big bad Con Ed, utilities are very regulated. True. So it takes them a year to go toward the PC and argue for a higher electricity rate or rebasing even new transformers or anything, whereas oil companies are very, very volatile and can kind of do what they want with no regulation. Yeah. So there's a consumer protection aspect around electricity that's a whole lot better, and it's ubiquitous. You know, if if someone puts in a charging station and wants to charge too much to use it, you just go to the next outlet and use it for free or go home or whatever. So you have a whole lot more choice yeah. with electricity than you do with gasoline. Yeah, no, it's true. The, the, you say the grid can handle it, right? Because people charge at night? Yeah, the grid can handle today about 180 million plug-in vehicles without a single new generating plant. Uh, and that's, you know, two-thirds or so yeah. of the nation's fleet. So that's pretty good. <laughs> I would love to have the problem of overloading that capacity. Right. Yeah. Part of the part of the issue is to try to get people to charge at night, of course, but that's naturally when the car is sitting around and people are sleeping. So we found it really doesn't take a whole lot of encouragement to get people to pursue that. Yeah. And then people who are putting in public charging stations for daytime use are often putting in solar canopies and things to offset that load. So there's not really an issue with overloading the grid at all at this point. Sometimes there are issues with really old neighborhoods, and that utility company needs to replace a few local transformers. Right. But even that's something we can plan for. Now, is, is California, I mean, I, obviously they're, they get a lot of these laws and these cars and these things first because their, their uh, uh, environmental laws are a lot tighter than other places in the country. Is that, is that how it works? Generally, yes. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's a confluence of tighter environmental laws yeah. and also it's natural the west coast is naturally one of the obvious markets right now how, how did schwarzenegger do as governor and all this stuff mm, he was a big fan of a different green technology <laughs> <laughs> as a result not very much happened with either technology all oh, right the hydrogen stuff yeah yeah which is a whole mm. other which is a whole other thing now i mean there hasn't been that much progress on that end has there well, it depends on who you ask. Uh, there's not been a, a lot of deployment progress. Uh, certainly the automakers who are into hydrogen say they've made all sorts of progress. They just uh, aren't willing to show any of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're still working on it. We're still working yeah. on it. I guess it's the delivery of the hydrogen that's the big problem. At least with the electricity stuff, the grid's already there. Right. It's a last mile issue for electricity. The grid's already there. It's just putting a charger in a house kind of problem. Right. With hydrogen, there are several issues. One being the cars are really, really expensive, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Uh, the hydrogen is very expensive. Yeah. It takes two to four times the energy to make a hydrogen versus just either putting natural gas in a natural gas car or putting electricity in an EV. And then there's the distribution and the fact that it's about oh, a trillion dollars or so to do a nationwide infrastructure for hydrogen. So mm. it's not that it can't be done, but the question starts to appear of why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Practicality. Um, Mike, I have a question about the um, so regarding the, the charging thing. How, I mean, 
I'm, I'm not. An, I, I don't think I've, I'm probably the one of the three of us who's the least familiar with all of this stuff. But I, I know a thing or two about batteries and um, the batteries that are in these cars. Th- th- how much time are we talking about? Like, how much time do they need to charge up, like from zero to full? Well, it depends on the size of the battery pack and the range of the car. But it's usually some number of hours. Uh, in overnight charge, in most cases, sometimes as few as three, depending on the circuit you have. But at the same time, most people don't drive more than 40 miles or so in a day, which is right. a couple hours of charging. So are these using, I, I mean, I can only assume that these, these cars are using like current technology like lithium ion and lithium polymer and those kinds of batteries that don't suffer from the, the memory effects that older, older rechargeable batteries did and that sort of thing, right? Yes, and, and actually even the last few batteries you're putting in cars didn't have that memory effect. Lead acid and nickel metal hydride didn't have, didn't have memory issues, but now we're all on lithium. Uh, and recycling of batteries? That's happening too. Automotive batteries are actually one of the most recycled things on Earth. I believe and that. And it's largely because when we started putting one on every car on the road today, <laughs> we figured out you have to start recycling them. Yeah. So. Lead acid has always been recycled. The, the nickel metal batteries that we use for a while are recyclable. And there are a couple of companies that are already doing lithium recycling. That's a bit of a newer process and not as many folks doing it. But it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. If, if Oh, did I just lose her? Oh, there you are. You disappeared for a second there, Chelsea. Oh, that's right. Uh, hmm. um, are there, there are people who... Uh, think that okay, well, this is great and everything, but like, are we gonna end? Are we gonna have limits on the materials, the lithium, and those kinds of things? You know, if like if you start making a hundred million of these things, you know, right. we're there. The the raw materials become an issue at some point. Now, there are people that have that as a concern. It's actually largely been debunked. Okay, between where all the lithium resides, how little of it we need, the fact that it is recyclable. Yeah, there was originally a concern. Are we trading, you know, Middle East oil for Venezuelan lithium? Yeah. And it's just not turning out to be the case. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. You know, I, I always wondered about that whole thing with uh, gas and the whole world and everything. It's like, you know, we complain we have these wars. It's like, why don't we figure out a way to not use as much oil? You know, <laughs> like, right. like we're spending trillions of dollars on this stuff. Why don't we spend trillions of dollars to not have to go get it in the first place? Uh it's just it's it's just a fascinating. I mean, I guess these these are the limits of. Would capitalism ever have gotten here on its own, or does it take governments and 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 you know popular stuff to to push it in that direction? You know, because mm. obviously G, GM walked away from it. GM, well, they all walked away from it. I mean, the, GM was the most well-known because they were the most sort of arrogant <laughs> about how they did it. But they, all of the automakers walked away and crushed their cars and behaved badly and all of that. At the same time, they all have been suffering recently. Even the ones that didn't go bankrupt have certainly been struggling. And they all have kind of come around to the realization that even without political intervention, they have to broaden their line of products. And oil is going to get scarce and prices are going to go up regardless of whether you have a president saying, I want a million of these things by 2015. The dials that government tends to tweak are how many and how soon. Right. So it would have happened, but certainly all of the political pressures helped it happen sooner. Sure. And, and really the goal, this whole line in the sand, million car goal, was probably the first and most significant effort before he ever put any money behind it. Just rallying everybody around a unified goal right. and insisting upon it was probably more effective than, than 
know, Wait, who, who are we talking? Someone, someone drew a line and said you have to make a million cars? President Obama. When was that? Uh, when he first got elected. said, I want a million plug-in cars by 2015. And huh. then backed it up with $17 billion or so of stimulus funding for, for battery and vehicle production and different things. But wow. bef- before there was money, it was this right here. We're going here. This is the ball. <laughs> Go get it. Yeah. How, how are we doing on that? How close? Is it, is it, is it looking realistic, you think? At this point, I think it's still possible, and, and there are certainly as many people who think it's not. We're starting very, very slowly. We started delivering cars in December, and there's too many, three manufacturers doing it so far. So we're, we're in the January 2015 or December 2015. Oh, I'm sure it's December. <laughs> <laughs> it's December. Yeah, Apple does that too. Yeah, it'll release in June. Yeah, June 30th. Well, I mean, I, right. I think that's the thing, though. I mean, even in this whole situation, you are starting at. Uh, it's it's going to be an acceleration through the distribution of these things. I mean, there's a huge waiting list. They just can't make them fast enough. Right. And well, and the earthquake didn't help. Oh, right. Of course. Because uh, Nissan is one of the most, you know, there's right now it's Tesla, Nissan and GM are the most prominent manufacturers building them. So the Japanese automakers obviously are, are, are affected, but even a lot of the components came from Japan. Sure. 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 Yeah. This is, this is one of the problems of a globally dependent, uh, uh, manufacturing Stuff. I mean, it's the same thing with. I mean, not to make light of anything. The same thing with a lot of the cameras that Dan and I use in our photography stuff. A lot of Canon and Nikon. A lot of their pro gear was made up in that area of Japan. So it's kind of like people say that stuff's going to get pushed back. Um, Right. It's now. Do you think that the is? Do you feel like you've won, or or or, you know, to put it simplistically, or or I mean, do you feel like the industry and the the world is sort of on a track that it. It, it's 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 kind of going and you don't need to push anymore or do you feel like you still need to push no i i still feel like i need to push and in fact i'm the one i'm an eternal optimist i'm thrilled that we're back you know yes we took 10 years to get back where we left off but glad we're here but i'm the one out there saying we can't afford to get complacent because i'm watching too many of my colleagues say we're declaring victory the cars are coming and that's great we can all move on yeah and yes, it's great. Cars are coming, but there are still so many things to be done and policy and infrastructure and just getting these people out of their own way. And I look, I came from a generation of vehicles where we had EVs on the road for years and still had it go south. So I'm way too guarded to say six months in, we can say we've won. But I'm certainly encouraged yeah. that the industry has come back around and it's happening and it's happening a whole lot bigger with more momentum, more momentum than it did the last time. And to have them actually want to do it versus sort of malicious compliance with some wonky law. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, do you think hmm. do you think that there's actually that feeling in the industry, or do you think that they are still kind of paying it lip service? And you know what I mean? Like, are, are they just like, oh, those are those crazy EV people over in this part of my company? But like, my main company is still the Suburbans. Yeah, it, it varies by automaker. Yeah, there are some that are all in. Yeah, and there are some that are just absolute lip service or I'm doing a couple hundred because I need card credits or whatever. And I, I don't really believe in this stuff. Yeah. And, and we'll see, but there will be a ver- you know, varying commitment and therefore results. We're seeing a difference in how these deployments are going based on how committed and really how humble, you know, every, any company that tells me at this stage, we got it all figured out is the one I know does not have it all figured out. <laughs> right. The ones that are stressed and worrying and we got to make sure we do this right are probably the ones that will. Yeah. The uh, um, you know it's funny the is 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 Ford doing well with all this stuff? 
Florida is just getting going. They have a couple vehicles in development. One supposed to start production at the end of the year of a fully electric Ford Focus, and then next year they're doing a little crossover called the C-Max in the plug-in hybrid version. Um, you know, if you're really into the inside baseball, you know this stuff is coming, but they have played it very, very close to the vest and haven't been nearly as transparent as other automakers. And that makes some of us worry a little bit. It's interesting because a lot of people always point to Ford being of the big three is sort of the one that's has turned around like is is they're being run by who's the guy was it malali or whatever his name is yeah yeah Alan he's supposed to be like this big tech guy and and you know so progressive and forward-looking and you know all that kind of stuff uh all very technology-based um where'd he come from like boeing or something didn't he yeah mm-hmm. yeah so so yeah. you know so i was always wondering if that was uh if that was pushing forward in that direction too well, and Bill Ford has always been very environmentally minded, and the company has been very sustainability minded. And sort of, uh, of all the companies, they're probably one of the few that are sort of doing it for the right reasons in the minds of many of the environmentalists. Yeah. How that translates into execution remains to be seen. You know, so far they've not they've been late with their hybrids. They've not marketed them very well, and in fact, they're actually quite some excellent cars, and they've not gotten the credit that they should have in the hybrid world yeah. because of the execution. And so it remains to be seen if if that might not happen also with some of the EVs. The Ford Focus looks like it's going to be a kick to drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but until somebody we know drives it, who knows? Did, now, did Ford ever uh, make an electric car back in the day? They, they actually made a Ranger pickup truck huh. that was electric. Hmm. Yeah, we had more electric pickup trucks and SUVs back then than we did little cars. It's just that everybody knows the EV one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, bet I guess it's because the, the trucks had more room for the, the batteries and stuff, right? Yeah, they they fit them underneath in most cases. There's an S10 for Chevy and a Ranger, but they made them with fleets in mind. And then Toyota did a RAV4 electric, and they're doing it again this time. But there were more than impressions did a minivan. I mean, there were only a couple of companies that did little bitty cars. But little bitty cars are what people think of because mm-hmm. the other ones were conversions of gasoline models, and so they weren't as visible. Yeah, you mm-hmm. didn't notice them. Right. You couldn't tell whether it was electric or not. Not really. You yeah. weren't looking close. The, uh, okay, I have one last question for you, which is how fun is the Tesla to drive? Oh, my God. It is so much fun. <laughs> is it really I, I have to go down there. Oh, it's, well, if you like speed and torque and that kind of thing. It's, if you like it's, all the good things about fast cars. Yeah. If you like all the good things. I mean, you're four inches off the ground. It's completely... Wicked fast, stiff suspension, just it's a slot car. And so if you like that kind of thing, and I really do clearly, yeah, then it's a lot of fun. And I go down there and, and beg for test drives and stuff all the time. It helps so, when it has works there, so I have an in. Yeah. That so with that car specifically, um does that I mean I am gonna guess it's a manual, right? Or is it well, automatic? There's no, there's no uh there's no transmission in a classic sense, so there's no such thing as manual or automatic, but they drive as if they're automatics. Yeah. Oh, really? It's, so there's, you're saying it's, these it's electric like a big cars. giant RC car. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Oh, so like there's just like a lever that you like the the throttle is just like literally just like a a lever that goes from zero to a hundred. Well, yeah. I mean, it, obviously they make them function as if they were gas cars. So there's still the same paddles and shifters and or buttons for the for the park reverse neutral that kind of thing. So they try to make them basically analogous to gas cars, but how they function is a little bit different. But they all drive as if they're automatic trans. Interesting. It's, if they so, made a manual version, I'd have it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> okay. I guess that I, I mean I guess that makes sense. So in a way it's kinda of like a video game. Um Yeah, it probably feels like a video game. 
I'm just I'm just yeah, talking about the, the throttle. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, it's funny. My my buddy Andy up in uh, Massachusetts has a little TT that he's souped up to 300 horsepower in Audi, and 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 you know, new exhaust and new suspension and new everything. And he's you know, it's it's basically now a Porsche for fifty thousand dollars instead of eighty thousand dollars or whatever. Uh, yeah, no, it's nice, but it's funny because up in Boston, the roads are so bad that like he ends up bottoming out and has to be careful half the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, it's, you know, it's just That's funny. Scary. It's like out in California, you know, I guess it's the weather isn't as much of a problem. So you don't have the frost and that kind of stuff, at least in Southern California. Um, but it's, I, I would be scared to drive a Tesla Roadster in the Boston area or the New York area, you know, that kind of thing. Well, there's a store in, in Chelsea that, I know. You should, you should go check it out. I, know. I mean, yeah, they have one in <laughs> Chicago and, and some cold other places. You know, obviously, it's not the kind of car you're going to want to go for wheeling. And if the roads are really bad, yeah. you're probably not going to want to to take that out just for the cl- for the clearance. So it has nothing to do with the fact that it's electric. No, because, no, of course not. No, you know, you'd say the same that, thing about they're actually any... pretty good in the snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> the same thing. I it was the same issue I have with when I see people driving Lamborghinis around Manhattan. I was just like, really? Or Lotuses? Yeah, it's like yeah, these little. Well, I mean, Lotus is a perfect example because the 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 uh, uh, that is a Lotus, isn't it? It's a well, lotus it's premised frame. on it. Yeah, they they started with a lotus chassis, and it's it's not it's lengthened, and it's not quite the same as a lotus anymore. But that was the inspiration. Yeah. Huh. So they even Speak, so, they even look. So, at it. speaking of lotus, um, I, I what's uh what's what is Europe up to as far as the electronic or the electric car is concerned? Are any of the European uh, manufacturers in on that at all? You know? It's a similar, yeah, it's a similar path. Um, in fact, one of the most ambitious in the world is Nissan Renault together. So Nissan here, Renault there. And so they're, they're doing different electric cars. And, you know, the Germans are kind of dipping toes in the water. I would say they're the, <laughs> the most reticent of the bunch. Um, huh. But they're, I mean, there are plug-in hybrid Range Rover plans. And, I mean, you name it, there is at least a concept car for every single auto manufacturer, including Porsche. So I, I think we're going to see quite a bit in the next few years. And then obviously um, things like the Nissan Leaf will also be in Europe and the Chevy Volt will be in Europe also as the Opel Ampera. So that's a much more global view this time rather than one car per country. It's how do we build one car and make the world have it? Yeah. I mean, that's the case <laughs> yeah. for the uh, for gas cars too more than it used to be, right? I mean, you know, Ford right. is trying to be more global about their models and whatnot. But it's it, I think that has a lot to do with all these companies buying each other in the last 20 years. You know. It's certainly that, and it's an economy of scale issue. If we're going to make something, if we're going to tool a plant, how do we get the maximum benefit out of it? And what's interesting is to see how they are doing it differently. You know, Chevy's taking sort of a propulsion system and putting it in different cars, or GM is. Nissan, everybody gets a leaf. They're doing three different plants that all make exactly the same car. Yeah. And it's like the Henry Ford model. You can have whatever you want as long as it's a leaf. Yeah. Well, and I think that makes sense because I know, I mean, one of the other big interesting differences between cars in Europe and here is that they don't use the same kind of fuel um, that we do here. And and the cost is really, I mean, we complain about prices for fuel here, but man, it's... Their gas per it's liter, been, it's yeah. Been, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's been absurd for years. I mean, it's just like they a total... They just don't have I mean, as far to go. The That's the advantage they have. I guess. <laughs> But uh, but I mean I can see how 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 uh, enticing that would be for a manufacturer. It's like you don't have to worry about the European version of this car. This you know this all you need is volts. You know you just need right. some uh, electricity and you're done. Yeah, there's a there's actually a difference in the grid standard 
Sure. Oh, right, because some of them 230 run... 230 volts, 15 amps over there. We tend to be 240, 40 amps. There's some of those sorts of differences in terms of the connectors. Right, uh, but... but it's, much easier to work around. <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, that's that, yeah, that you can do at home. You know, it's 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 interesting that you said that Porsche is coming out with one because, I mean, obviously, you'd think that the performance car people would be jumping all over this because, as it is, Tesla is like eating up that they own that market segment. You know, for now, yeah, yeah, and and but I could also imagine all the old timers sitting at Ferrari or whatever it is saying, we will not get rid of, you know, <laughs> our, our engines and our big V 12s and this, that, and the other thing for some stupid go-kart. Like I could imagine them just from a, a, a saving face point of view, like right. being reticent of the whole thing, you know, there are absolutely both camps. And I don't think anybody expects that any of these manufacturers would abandon their gas cars tomorrow. Yeah. So it, for some of them, it's just we're going to do a concept. You know, the Porsche, even if they built it, they've already said 700 grand. Yeah. Tiny bit out of my price yeah. range. And, and there, there will always be men who, you know, need to make up for lack of something else. So, you know, they need a big, loud car. <laughs> I love that it was you that said that and not me. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I have one more question just about, you know, other angles and stuff. Um, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we, we all know that um, as, when it comes to new technology and cutting edge and advanced, you know, stuff, uh, the government, at least the United States government, between uh, the military and space and some of these other, you know, special applications are concerned. You know, those guys are generally a couple of, couple of clicks ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, do those? I mean, is there any sort of interaction? Uh, like, are those guys relying on on you know the the big car companies or or vice versa? Or I mean, is there any kind of crossover? Yeah. You know, is there an electric you know Humvee? Or, or, <laughs> you know, I mean, we, the, you know, I think the first example that comes to my mind are those um, those UAVs. You know, those unmanned vehicles. Right. For the, they're they're like basically giant RC airplanes, and I don't think they run on gas. I think those are electric. Well, and, and actually, two of the most prominent EV companies are, are the ones that make those. You know, Air Environment is a pioneer in electric cars and, and huge government supplier of UAVs. Um, AC Propulsion plays with both of them as well, although they don't like to take military work. So they play with UAVs, but less with government, more with uh, with private. So, yeah, from a technology development standpoint, the military has long been involved and, in fact, has wanted plug-in hybrids for years and years for things like tanks on the premise that they could drive in with petrol, get close to the target, and then switch over to electric and be pretty quiet. Sure. And then at the same time, from a GSA public fleet kind of thing, yes, the government steps in and buys a bunch of Chevy Volts and these on leads and sort of helps create a built-in market for automakers which makes them more comfortable about ramping up production because they they still come from a place of okay we get all this grassroots feedback and all these consumers demanding cars but will they really buy when we build these things so fleet side demand helps shore that up a little bit and even aside from from the government we're seeing a lot of corporate interest GE buying 25,000 of these over the next few years. Sat in with Pepsi last week. They want a whole bunch of them. Frito-Lay and those type of companies. For their company cars? For their company cars and their delivery vans. And, the, and yeah, for the deliveries. Oh, right, of that course. Makes sense. Yeah. It's, yeah, so it's not just cars. I mean, it's, you know, GM just invested in an electric bus company. I mean, it goes up to Class A semis. Sure. Hey, did you did you see the article? I think it was last week. I think it was Nissan Leaf where they're the they have they have a system in the car that grabs RSS feeds, 
Yes. Did you you saw this, Dan? Did you see this? Yeah. No. Okay, so they they have a system in the car that will go and go grab RSS feeds from wherever. But as part of that, the HTTP GET header that it sends out, it includes your uh, uh, location, longitude, and latitude, your speed, your direction, and the uh, the uh, location, the the eventual location of your uh, navigation system, like your you know your where you're driving to, your destination. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like, wow, this is a massive privacy issue, you know, cause you're basically, <laughs> yeah. you know, this stuff is sending all this. Now there are reasons why it would send that. For example, like, oh, I want the weather in the direction that I'm heading. You know, right. I, sure. I mean, there are really cool things that could be done with that kind of information, but apparently like th- this was all just figured out by security guys after the fact and not at all. There's no way to turn it off at the moment and that kind of stuff. Of course, I'm sure there'll be software updates and things, but it's funny because in some ways, because electric cars have to have probably more computers just to keep all this stuff going the way it should and efficiency and all the rest of it, they tend to have all these kinds of things too. And I wonder if where these things are going to collide, you know, and that's just, that just being a one small example, you know? Yeah. Although so far it's not unique to EVs. It just happened to happen on a Nissan Leaf. Yeah. But if you think about something like the Ford Sync system, I mean, the, oh, I you know, that, unless yeah. you're insuring against it, all of the connectivity and telematics and stuff that we're putting in cars, any kind of cars, yeah. are prone to the same kind of thing. So, it, I mean, you know, all of the car companies know far more than we're aware of of what has been going on in our cars for years well, sure. now. now how, do you, how do you feel about the whole black box thing? Because, I mean, you know, there's there's people pull this stuff up during legal cases and that kind of stuff, you know, and they're just like, wait, I didn't know my car was recording all this stuff. Right. Well, I think what, from my standpoint, it's a matter, I don't care much that it's there. It's who gets to use it for what. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and just to be clear, Bill, this doesn't have anything to do with electric cars. No, no, no. Right. I, 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 I agree. I've just, uh, Chelsea's just, I figured she'd have thoughts on this matter. That's the only reason I brought yeah. it up. Right on. I don't know. I'm not that, you know, even with the leaf thing, yes. Is it something that needs to be sorted? Sure. I mean, some are treating it like this really malicious, negligent act. And it's like, no, but automakers aren't used to making computers. They're used to making cars. Right. And they're really having to get up to speed and get used to this notion of integrating all this other technology and software updates on that, that side. They're used to doing vehicle software updates remotely and that kind of thing. And at the same time, oh, okay, so you know my GPS location, but anyone that uses location services on their iPhone gives away that sure, information. Sure. And so it's a little bit too of, we have to be aware of what information, if you don't use the RSS feed and the Nissan Leaf, you don't have the issue. Yeah. I mean, you can opt out of this stuff, yeah. but it is a matter of making some choices for you too, of what information you're willing to give out. And do I care that somebody maybe knows an aggregate what speed I'm going? Yeah. No, unless they're somehow allowed to port it over to the CHP and write me a ticket remotely because well, some third-party yeah. app said I was going fast. Right. So it, it comes back to who gets to use the information for what right. legally. There, no, there, but there, there, there's a lot of privacy people who would say, well, if the information exists, those people are going to get it and it's going to be used that way. You know what I'm saying? Like in a, in a right. uh, which is kind of the view that I tend to agree with just the point of just from history you know this this yeah. is what happens you know uh, if it exists it's going to be abused you know that kind of thing um and, and it's often the case and they are t- where it's definite trade-offs that we're making for convenience and service and you know all of these sorts of new new aspects to these vehicles yeah. but then the other option is you don't take advantage of those services yeah or you drive yeah. analog yeah i just i guess you know it's funny because i think all these things are great for people like us who have some understanding but i wonder what my if my mom would ever understand you know what i mean just from a what do you mean it's sending 
what do you who's yeah. who, you know it's like this is this is great for people who are somewhat technically literate but somebody who's not this is just like shoo, right over your head you, you know you, well you know for most people it's ignorance is bliss your mom has no idea how much her auto company has known about what's going on in her car yeah for her little audi a4 is trouble yeah well and here's well, the other but, it, it, you know, there's not that much new information they haven't already had. Of course. Point. Yeah, no, true. Right. Uh, the other thing that I think is going to be really interesting is uh, as the, ki- the the current crop of humans who are children right now, who kids, people who are born now, who have, you know, there's no, con- they have no conception of what it was like before there was right. no such thing as RSS or whatever. And I, I mean, I can only wonder, can you, I mean, can you imagine like, like a, just as like being like a three or four year old and, you know, you're learning, you know, like when we learned what a microwave was or what a television was, you know, when these, when these kids are, you know, f- you know, getting that, that little aha moment about what the internet is or what, what location services is or what authorization is, you know, things that we all obviously, you know, we as adults, you know, we were teenagers or whatever when we figured that out. But, but I have a feeling that once, you know, at, at the younger level, um, they're not going to be as, as freaked out about it because they, you know, it will have been part of their, lives for so long so i have a feeling that that this this weird little scare thing is is just like a, a like a bump you know yeah it's yeah it's our generation out. i mean it's, i mean yeah. i have a 12 year old and it's it goes the other direction for me i mean he's so that generation is so used to it that then you yeah. wonder if they're being guarded enough or yeah. are they worried yeah. enough it's, it's, and yeah. yet most of the data shows that it's it's our generation yeah. that's worse because we're putting yeah. pictures of our kids on Facebook and whatnot, and they're used to the idea that anything that's out there is really out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, it just because think about it, it just takes once, you know, when you like when you're a little kid and you pull a stupid prank, you know, like you you know make a prank phone call or whatever, and then you get caught and then you get burned and then you learn the consequences of that. It's like okay, well now now I know why that's not a good idea, you know, and, <laughs> yes. and you learn. But you know, and and you know, it, it's exactly what you're saying. I, I I'm kind of excited to see. Like I would love to be able to fast forward 25 years and just sort of see yeah. see what happens one one actual oh, human generation. Oh, little Jimmy, oh, you want a job working for Frito-Lay? Well, actually, we've looked at all of your driving records for the past 40 <laughs> years, and you drive over the speed limit 36.7% of the time. You know what I mean? It's, the, it's those kinds of things that are scary. You know, just yes. from... I, I think it's cool, man. I think it's... <laughs> but then I'm, I'm, I'm weird. <laughs> there's a definite Big Brother aspect. No question. Sure. And, I, you know, and it, when it gets to employers and there's, I mean, there's all kinds of questions and that kind of stuff, but that's, you know, that's a whole other, yeah. that's a whole other thing. So at least I've already accepted I'm unemployable. So that's all right. <laughs> I had one other little question. Did I read somewhere or hear somewhere recently that the New York City signed some agreement for its next generation taxis to be Nissan Leafs? Did I, is that, am I wrong on that? They're Nissans, but they're not Leafs. Oh, okay. So it was with Nissan though, right? It was with Nissan. I mean, they may use a few leaves for experimental purposes, but no, it's actually a little minivan. Do they call them leaves? (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's sort of the colloquial, like, that's the the plural of the word leaf. I I, I feel, I feel like we're inside the whole EV world, Dan, right now. Like we're getting, we're getting the inside track. (laughs) Nissan leaves. The, uh, I mean, well, that, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a big win for a, for a foreign, especially Japanese guy to get New York city taxi cabs. Yes. I mean, well, and potentially those will be electric. Yeah. Well, and that's also also that's something I've noticed just in the past 10, 15 years, man. I can remember when I was a kid, you you you, you hail a taxi, you're you're hopping into a Chevy Caprice, yep. you know? Basically, mm-hmm. that was the de facto standard, no no exceptions. They all looked exactly the same. And now, 
you walk out, you hail a cab, you're going to catch, there's what, at least a dozen. I mean, yep. you know, there's Toyota Priuses out there. There's mm-hmm. like, um, there's some sort of a, maybe Ford Explorers. You know, they got those minivans. There's all kinds yeah. of cabs out there. Now. I, I met a guy once a couple of years ago who was driving a hybrid, uh, like, a, I think it was like a Ford. What was that Ford little SUV hybrid one? Escape. Yeah, the Escape. Oh, so escape. he had an Escape. Uh, and I asked him about it because he was like, oh, I got to fill up the tank or whatever it is. I said, D- you know, does this go? He goes, yeah, they charge me extra to to run it, to to rent it. He says, but in the end, it ends up working out in my favor drastically. And I was like, that's, you know, this, I mean, something like a cab is an ideal situation to have. I mean, they're always driving, you know, mm-hmm. that it's like this is this is EV or plug in hybrid gold right there, you know, right. You, you, yeah, because many of them, they're always driving, but it's always within a defined little area yeah, exactly. for the most part. Yeah, and you know, and and they 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 always take breaks and this kind of stuff, and they can plug in when they're you know. And how many gas mm-hmm. stations are there in Manhattan? There's only like 15 gas stations in Manhattan or something, <laughs> you know. Yeah, Manhattan is kind of scamped. You know, and I don't know. It's just it's fascinating. Hey, Chelsea, where can people watch the new movie? Or is this a, is this a sore spot? It's not no, it's not a sore spot, but it is a little little bit sparse. Um, it is hitting several festivals. Uh, it was in Tribeca in Seattle, and it's going to Little Rock, and we'll be screening next month in Raleigh. Okay. But the best thing to do is go to revengeoftheelectriccar dot com, and then you vote for it to be in your area, and you can sign up for the email list when it is in your area and that kind of thing. Interesting. Okay. Well, we will. It's very grassroots rollout. Apparently, yeah, but eventually, I'm sure you're going to have some sort of DVD home release, even beyond the theaters, correct? Yeah, it'll be DVD probably end of the year or so. But we have a, a couple of very passionate women in Chicago who are running marketing for it. Okay, that sounds like fun. Uh, and so, uh, Chelsea, you can follow her on Twitter. It's at uh, evchels, C H E L S. Uh, and we will put that in the show notes and links to these other things. Anything else you want to add, Dan? Um, nope. Okay. <laughs> uh, if anybody has any questions or uh, comments or suggestions for topics or guests, you can write Dan or I at our Twitter. It's at Bill Wadman and at, uh, at Dan Gottesman. And uh, we will go from there. And I guess we will talk to you all next week. Excellent. Yes. That was fun. Thanks for podcasting in. Indeed. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you. Excellent. It's fun. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay.